You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to Islanders Anxiety from the Lighthouse Hockey Podcast Network. My name is Dan Saracini. Joining me this evening via Zencaster is my friend Michael Leboff. And Mike, uh, the Islanders had three games. They won three games and turned out to be a pretty hell of a week <laughs> after uh, after a lot of worrying last time. Yeah, uh, this team, they did it last year. Like you'd, you'd get so worried and then scared and those like old thoughts and old way of life as an Islander fan kind of crept back in and then the next thing you knew, you like woke up one morning. You're like, "Oh, how many games have we won? Oh, we're on another winning streak." Which just, uh, mm. I guess that's kind of been this this team's mo. Is like, yeah, you know, we might we might drop our level, but it'll only be for a minute, and then uh, we'll, we'll we'll win you right back pretty quickly. Yeah, um, a lot of it might have had to do with a very little practice time that that they were getting. Uh, I mean, they were on the road for a lot. And again, it's funny like you know, we watch them every night, and you don't realize that they played, you know, whatever it was like eleven of thirteen on the road or something like that, and would be home for a day and then take off again. So I think a lot of it had to do with the lack of practice time, um, or maybe just getting tired and you know some injuries here and there. But uh, not only did they win these three games, but for a large part of them, they actually looked like the Islanders of old, which who we, we were kind of pining for uh, last episode and kind of you know doing their thing and asserting their dominance. Um, there wasn't too evident in a the 5-1 win over Tampa Bay last Monday. It's funny. This is one of those games that happened, you know, on Monday and then a bunch of games happen and a bunch of other stuff happens and you completely forget that it was only a week ago. That this feels like this game happened a month ago. Just but it was that. a week ago. I was just thinking that. And I think <laughs> it was like it's like the perfect game of someone if if you missed the game and you woke up and you saw oh 5-1 Islanders you've been like wow, they dominated last night, but 
it had to have been they they probably played the worst of the bunch in that one, right? Oh yeah, no, definitely. I mean, it was pretty even for the first period, um, which was zero zero. But and then but then the Islanders took a two nothing lead in the second, and Ross Johnson with the snipe of all people, and then a shorthanded goal. But it, they weren't really. I mean, they, and they do this too, like they weren't playing particularly well. Uh, Steven Stamkos got a goal because you know, of course, he does. And then the third was essentially all all lightning. They it felt like a power play. At times it was they were on the power play, and it was just a shooting gallery for the first half of the third. And then uh, uh, who scored? Nelson scored on his own rebound. Um, then there was a, an offsides penalty that got taken a goal off the board for the Lightning. Uh, Anders Lee scored again, and like you said, it just it ballooned to five one, and it was like, wait, what? <laughs> okay, I, you know, it was one of those situations where every time the Islanders came down the ice. They scored, and so that was three times they were down there. Um, but Varlamov was great again, and that's going to be a running theme. Uh, he was very good in the game against uh, Buffalo that we're going to talk about in a minute. Um, but then the Islanders, a couple of nights later, went to uh, Sunrise to play the Panthers, and this game was much, much better. They actually looked like the Islanders. They actually had a practice in the middle there and came out looking like the Islanders again. They um, you know, they, they clamped down on the Panthers. They, they were up. They got two power play goals. Um they uh, uh, Matt Barzell scored off of a really cool turnover. Uh, Mike Hoffman, you know, brought the Panthers back, but they uh, they did really well in the third. They were on the PK a lot, but they kind of clamped down. And uh, Anders Lee ended up with a Gordie Howe hat trick, which was, has not happened that often. <laughs> uh, and it was kind of cool to see. And then um, that led to a three-two overtime win over the Sabers on Saturday. Again, they they looked pretty good. That was one of those ones where, and I mean, you were there, so we're gonna. Yeah, I want to, you know, you'll get your full report, but um, it seemed like the, though the Sabres had their own zone time and their own shots, none of them were particularly like dangerous looking like this was this was a kind of like everything was from the outside. And yeah, they scored two goals. One was obviously in tight. That was the game time goal. But the one that came that they scored to uh, to get to start, oh, I think it was to open the game, wasn't it? Oh, no, no. To even the game at one was from the point shot, and it just kind of went in over Varlamov's shoulder. But everything was really from the outside. I didn't feel like anything was really dangerous. Did it feel like the Sabres had a lot of dangerous chances in that game to you? Or No, yes. Yeah, uh, I mean, both their goals were power play goals, too. And honestly, didn't think the PK was bad. It just, the um, especially that last one, it was just, you, you, in this league, you got to clear the puck when you get your opportunities. Those guys left it all out on the ice. Like they were all hunched over um, after, after the Sabres had scored. And I mean, the goal by Eichel was, was nice. If you watch that, that replay, he had a uh, very little room to work with and, and he's a good player. Uh, he, he was like Barzelli and almost uh, mm-hmm. the way he plays, like the puck just kind of, there's just like a gravitational pull to him. And uh, it's, it's very noticeable. Uh when you, when you're watching that team, especially when you watch it from above, and like you can see kind of the whole ice, uh, you just this, this, the game just finds that guy, and he he kind of is the the string puller. He's like their uh, you know Andreas uh, Pirlo of uh, Italian soccer <laughs> fame. Like he just was he's able to kind of like maestro the way kind of Barzell did. I feel like and um, he's like the hottest player in the league right now. Yeah, he is. Michael. Like he really he's got this long streak, and he's just out there. And you knew he was gonna do something. You know? Yeah, and, and another thing I wanted to touch on too about that game is uh. We, we a couple weeks ago when after the Islanders had played the Penguins a couple of times, you talked about how much uh, it, it was kind of nice to hate the Penguins again, and and I forgot because how you know the Sabers have been struggling, the Islanders have also been struggling, but you know the, I have some disdain for the Sabers, and they were they were a good amount of Sabers fans at the Coliseum yesterday, uh, 
and they love their team like they love their team kind of in a similar fashion the islanders fans do like they've never won anything and um so there's they have a lot in common with a lot of islander fans it's like they've seen a lot of lows and not too many highs but like uh, i saw a couple people in the in like a ryan miller uh the buffalo states like the slug jersey and and it just the Buffa Slug? Yeah, the Buffa Slug. And it, and, it, and it was a nice reminder to be like, oh, no, I re- this this team was really annoying back in the day because they were really good. Uh, obviously, they never got over the hump, but they were uh, yeah, they were super annoying and, and seemed to have the Islanders' numbers in, uh, in like big in games that like meant something, not only that playoff series, uh, but just like in general, like when the Islanders would play them and really needed a win, the Sabres would win like, you know, 3-1 on a maximum Afenogenov like hat trick or something. But uh yeah, that whole that that game was in general. I thought was really good at five on five. They just uh, they kind of wilted a little bit, uh, and and in the PK. And other than that, yeah, I mean, it it didn't feel in danger until the Barzell penalty. Uh, that was like that was the only time I really worried about the the result. Yeah, so I, well, we might as well talk about it there. So uh, uh, Rasmus Dahlin and and Barzell had been going kind of at each other all night, or, or maybe maybe Dahlin was really going more at Barzell all night. Uh, and you know, I mean. Darlene's a pretty good player, uh, and so is Barzell. And it, it got to the point where Barzell was kind of jawing at him and hacking at him, and nothing kind of transpired of it. But at home, they the the broadcast put a, a camera on Lane Lambert, and he was clearly talking to Barzell and clearly saying, like, you got to keep your head in the game. Don't let this guy get in your head. Um, you know, it just seemed like he was trying to calm him down and just be like, you know, play your game. Don't worry about this guy. He's going to... He's going to be all over you, but, you know, we got this. You're okay. And everything was fine until five minutes to go when uh, Darlene was in the corner and Barzell went to go hit him and got the stick up high. He ended up in the box and the Sabres tied the game. And, and you know, it's one of those things where, like, you know, really, like, <laughs> this is what's going to happen in this game. That Now, they, they were probably going to go to overtime. I think there was about a minute or so left in the game. So, you know, overtime was was more or less going to be there anyway. So it wasn't like they had lost that many points. But you really felt like it was just a really bad t- – as soon as we went to the box, you really felt like, oh, man, this is going to be a bad turning point. And like you said, they have had trouble clearing the puck. I, I they, they also t- said on the broadcast that Johnny Boychuk feels like he's, you know, playing the healthiest he's been in many years. Like he's actually skating on two legs for once, which is great. Like I'm glad Johnny's healthy. I'm glad he feels like he's skating on two legs. He's played a lot of games this year. He might be skating on two legs, but it looks like he's playing with at least one dead arm because I feel like whenever he tries to clear the puck or shoot the puck or pass the puck, there's just no zip on it. And it kind of he had one a shot uh, in that Sabres game where I guess I don't know if he was even trying to shoot it or maybe pass it towards the front of the net. And he just like flubbed it. And, you know, it's one shot. I mean, it happens to everybody, but clearing attempts seem to not go for him. Um, just again, pass is just not going for him. And I, I don't know. I, I'm not, I'm not calling Butch a liar and I'm not saying that obviously I have no in, inside information, but I don't know. I feel like there's something weird about that. I know he's old, or at least for a hockey player old, but it just feels weird that this guy who's been known for this slap shot and like, you know, cranking that puck all the way down the ice on, on a million penalty kills, just all of a sudden can't clear the puck. It's just really annoying. And obviously last night they got burned for it. So, or yesterday they got burned for it. So yeah, it was, it was kind of shitty uh, the way that happened, but uh turns out Anthony Beauvillier built his, uh, bailed his best friend out in overtime by scoring a, a completely awesome goal uh, after a sequence in which he almost gave the game away too <laughs> by trying to check Eichel and Eichel just sort of threw him down to the ice and, and made off in the other way. And uh, I think it was Nelson. I don't even think they took a shot, right? Nelson, I think, picked him off and, and came back the other way, right? And yeah, there was, it was like a three on two, three on two right. that like Nelson kind of jammed and 
Uh, yeah, and then Beauvillier went the other way. Nelson kind of got in the way of Ristolainen. But I was actually – I thought that the Islanders kind of got uh, picked or interfered with going the other way. Mm. So the, the refs kind of let them go. I mean, people were really complaining about the refs in that game uh, for the Sabres, saying mm. that the, the Islanders kind of got a, a, a leg up in that one. Uh, I saw Mike Harrington of the Buffalo News complaining about that, which is always great. <laughs> One of the team's was, beat writers is complaining about it. But I was anyway, confused. I, I think I saw like Adam Pellick maybe get away with a hold on Eichel once, but there was a you know a couple trips on that. But either way, we don't need to get into it. It's it, the the officiating is what it is. But um, the, I mean, I'm not too concerned about the Barzell thing unless uh, we we see it with Evgeny Malkin a lot. Teams make it a priority, like they go into the locker room at PPG Paints Arena, and they say, hey, this guy is very easy to to kind of aggravate. And when you aggravate him, he actually will take a penalty. He's one of the people in the league that will do that. Um, there are guys that, like, you can actually go into taking penalties. It used to be so much more prevalent, I feel like, you know, pre, mm. uh, maybe, the, like, the last lockout or whatever. Like, te- teams, players were much more willing to take dumb penalties. I don't know. It feels like that. But now, I would say Malkin's now kind of a, a rare breed of, like, the type of guy that will um, – like retaliate and be that he'll get the extra the penalty for doing it even though he knows full well he's got that reputation and if he does it he will get caught so the only thing you don't want this to to snowball into being like hey when the uh when they play the predators you know if you know matt orion ellis is is like hey i'm just gonna try to go with barzell or just whoever they're playing that night someone just bugging him all night and doing that because look we've seen matt he doesn't he already doesn't get the benefit of the doubt from the officials to begin with. So if this is kind of the reason, you know, they hear stuff that we don't on the ice. If, if there's something there, that's, that's the only thing I'm worried about. Otherwise I think, you know, it could be a little bit of a blessing, especially because they want, ended up winning the game. It's a, it's a good learning moment for him. Uh, as uh, Trot said in like the, the post game that it's, it was a, uh, they, that he preaches, you know, team over the individual. That was a, he kind of flipped the script on that. And hopefully, you know, that just lights a fire under him a little bit even more. Cause, uh, I thought the 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 Beauvillier Nelson line, whoever they were kind of rotating. It looked like they were rotating wings a lot because after Dal Cole got hurt. But uh, the those two, both Brock and Bo, I almost look at them. <clears throat> excuse me, as as like the same player. Like they they're like attached to hip to me right now. Like they they are on a different level of 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 chemistry. Uh, I I I didn't see it coming. First of all, for for the season, like if if you had to you know, pair players right. like with uh, someone you think that they'd work with, I wouldn't have put them <laughs> together. But I mean, Nelson is, is playing super confident. He made a really couple really nice plays where he, he almost like deked through like three guys and you're watching him do it. Cause it kind of like slowly, he like slowly unravels when he's, uh, when he's like trying to toe drag around people and you're like, there's no way he's going to be able to do that. Like there's, like, but he's just so big and strong and hard to knock off the puck that he's still able to pull it off. Um, but the two of them are just, they work so well together. And I, I'd put them like up there with, with any other duo at this at this time like that because of their their complete game like they're both responsible they've shown a responsibility defensively they're both doing brock kills penalties pretty often Beauvillier killed was on the kill yesterday uh those those two guys have they've they've really sh- uh carried the load and they're they're a lot of fun to watch too yeah no that that's a good point uh, and no you're right trot said that in the post game uh that they were rotating guys, and obviously we've seen them have success with Derek Broussard on that wing for a long time. 
Uh, but then they put Del Cola on there. And again, that's not a combination you would think would work. But who scores the first goal of the game? Uh, Michael Del Cole uh, off of really, um, you know, no, <laughs> it, he got the goal. He was in the right spot and he, he didn't hesitate and he shot it right. And, but he was standing right in front of the goal. But uh, the, the goal was really set up by Beauvillier behind the net for checking. And I think that's kind of where it starts. They're both playing with a lot of confidence, but they're, you know, they're both you know, or Bavillier in particular is really forechecking like a crazy person this year. He's become kind of a second Casey Zizekas in a little way. And he's, he's, you know, working those corners and, and uh, Nelson has become so confident uh, in himself that he is able to find these holes and, and maybe hold on to the puck a little bit more and, and open things up. And they do work really well together and they're almost operating on a level that like Barzell and Everly were during the playoffs. Like yeah. if you remember when those guys were on the ice together, it was magic, you know, every single time. And then, you know, I really, this year he got hurt. He's got a couple of goals now and they, you know, they move the lines around a little bit, so maybe they'll find it again. But yeah, that, you know, when you get that two common, I've seen, I've heard about teams doing that where they don't worry so much about lines, but they worry about pairs. And if they could get a pair going, then fitting the third guy in the line is a little bit easier. You know, you can find somebody, some guy is going to have more, more luck than others, but you can find that other guy a little bit easier than finding three guys that are going to work together uh, in a in a sequence, so yeah, that that worked out pretty well. And I mean, I thought Barzell played fine all game, except for that that one sequence. And yeah, like you said, Trotz after it, it was like the first question, and he was like, yeah. you know, that was uh, that was personal. Like that was not that was not you know team over me. It was it was personal. And and they were like, well, he was out there in overtime. Though, <laughs> did you think about maybe not playing him? And it's like, well, he is good three on three. So let's be honest. But you know, if he does it again, he's definitely going to get a long sit. And, uh, you know, I think Sezikis had been out there first and, and you know, needed a break. And so Barzell ended up out there anyway. But, uh, yeah, uh, Bo- yeah Bovillia, again, that, that sequence in overtime was really wild that he he went for a hit on Eichel, either missed or got shrugged off and ended up scoring the game-winning yeah. goal. And, and that celebration is always great when you see uh, – I can't believe he hadn't had an overtime game winner yet. I thought he did. But I've, I've, I'm, I think that's a lie. I've seen, I've seen him <laughs> score several of them. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, right. It, it's funny that that penalty from Barzell came the game after the lease um, Gordy Howe hat trick because uh, that was the type of penalty or when he fought Brian Boyle after Boyle hit um, Adam Pellick, who I don't know if Brian Boyle realized that he, you know he played for the Islanders for in July and August this season. You know he was based everybody had penciled him in as a third line center for right. for a couple months, so he he hit his teammate his his former teammate Adam Pellick there, but uh, then then Lee fought him and Trotz was like hey by my estimation you kill those kind of penalties off 98 percent of the time and then the barzell one is like the exact opposite like if, if a penalty like that, <laughs> the, the malkin kind of penalties those uh right, those, stupid those, penalty yeah yep, those never ever get killed especially in that part of the game uh yeah and uh and then uh actually the uh the uh panthers game also saw um was that the one where josh bailey fought yeah or was that the sabers no, game no bailey was yesterday uh he caught oh, all right and that, that was that was, that, that was one of the conf- because that people were complaining about the officiating that Rush Johnson, I, I mean, I don't know if, if from my point of view, it looked like a pretty cut and dry. Like even if you don't want to call it boarding, like maybe you you just send that guy to the box and be like, hey, like we we are trying to make the game safer for everybody. After all, uh, two minutes for however you want to call it. But then Bailey yeah, going after him and he gets a double minor. I, I don't know. I, like if you're the ref and you see that it's number, you know, it's not. 47 or 32 on the islanders it's it's josh <laughs> bailey of all people like that I, I don't think you need to to you know s- serve josh a lesson in uh in an instinct with mm. like an instigator or whatever the double roughing minor they gave him but uh Man. what are you gonna do 
And that's another thing too, is like, yeah, somehow the, the Sabres boarded one of the Islanders and they end up with a power play. Like that's kind of the, I don't know if that's the message you really want to be sending there. You know, it's just, I don't know. It's, yeah. It was a very weird, I thought it was a very oddly officiated it game. Was. And uh, that was the point all, all the way through. So they lost Bailey. Johnson was hurt for the, like the rest of that period. And Dal, that was when Dal Cole also left the ice. And it was really a shame that, uh, I mean, just talk about bad luck for Dal Cole. Cause he, him and like you were talking about Beauvillier, the the one thing people everyone keeps talking about is how relentless he's been, especially below like the the dots um, for checking. He is just a pest because he's so quick and he's strong and he's low to the ground and uh, he comes out with that puck very like Barzell does it pretty well too. Like those those guys are are so good at just being relentless on on D men and, and there's just no easy outs when either one of them are on the ice and uh, Dal Cole's kind of like that too and and he's very good as that like first man in. Um, and to see him get rewarded by someone else doing that was was nice. And then obviously, you know, he gets hurt. And that what that does, it crushes. It, Mike, it doesn't seem like losing someone who scored, what, two goals a season. Um, it doesn't really seem to have like a production impact. It sucks because he can play this the second line, third line, or fourth line wing. And that means if he misses time, it means that, yeah, you're going to have to fill that, that line with someone who's going to be less effective in that role, no matter what, whether it's Kunakal or, or Kamarov, like, or, or if it means bumping Clutterbuck up and it, it just it just uh it's not a it's not a fun one uh, it's not fun when obviously anyone gets hurt but it's just uh it sucks because now yeah. the, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we I, see uh Uncle Leo you know skating with a on a top six or something in, in the next couple of games oh I, I totally think that's gonna happen yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna say like I I think you know Leo had been scratched three games in a row and again like you know I don't want to sound like I'm celebrating or anything but there there is a difference and and he's out there you know, Leo can be effective when he's doing his thing, but so far this season, he really hasn't. And I mean, for him to, to take the scratch and not really say anything is pretty good on his part, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him playing with uh, with Nelson and Beauvillier on Tuesday against Nashville. And you know what? Maybe it works again. Maybe, you know, maybe those two guys are just so good that, you know, and Leo's not not stupid. Maybe he can find some holes and, and you know, score a little bit himself in the same way that Del Cole scored against Buffalo. Um the uh, the matchup with the Predators is going to be kind of interesting uh, because, well, first of all, they play the Rangers the night before. So whatever happens, I mean, hopefully the Predators win, but hopefully it goes in like a shootout and it's really long and then they have a really rough, you know, traffic filled ride to Brooklyn or whatever the next day. So uh, but the Predators have not really been great this season. Right? People are calling for the firing of Peter LaViolette. They're like maybe two games above 500. They were kind of expected to be really good. Pekka Rinne hasn't really looked like Pekka Rinne. This obviously means nothing. I mean, this could be, you know, they, the Islanders could get blasted by them and, and it wouldn't really, you know, raise any eyebrows. But uh, but it is an interesting matchup. And, you know, I, I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see a team that people predicted to really be making a lot of noise come in and play a team that, you know, we're, we're going to talk about this in the second half kind of, weren't expecting that much from but uh you know we'll see i, I, don't, I don't know it'll be a, a you know i'm sure playing nashville is always big for trots uh, i mean they've only had two this will be a matchup of both coaches in the history of the nashville predators so we'll have to see, <laughs> see how that works but uh but it will be back at the coliseum right which i'm sure laviolette's gonna have a couple of things to say yeah that's too. true yeah we'll have uh that's true yeah i didn't I, that's so weird about the predators i didn't even think about it. and they've only had one G, they've only had one gm right it's only been dave oil right yeah wow yeah, that's that's yeah. That caught me so. off guard. It's to think about. It's like the Pitts, They're like the Pittsburgh Steelers, you know, like the Steelers. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's back. It's back at the Coliseum. I actually, it's funny. I remember my friend had gone down to uh, Nashville for like some bachelor party a few years ago, and a few years before the Islanders had announced that they were leaving Barclays or 
moving back to Coliseum for some of their games. And he had run, he ran into Peter Laviolette and, and Peter and Laviolette was like, Oh no, like they're going to move back. Um, it's already like everybody in the league, everyone in the league already knows it because he saw it when, when my friend at, like told him like, Oh, you know, we miss you. Those seasons of the Coliseum were so much fun. And then Laviolette told him, uh, what, what was what? <laughs> and he was right, which is kind of yeah. funny. That's that's actually when I started to believe it. That's pretty funny. So when was that? Like, yeah. when did he know? Like, just after they moved to Brooklyn or? No, it was, I think it was like two, two and a half years ago, maybe three years ago. It was in the off season. Oh, so. It, was, it, and so it, wasn't, before- it wasn't the off season before they actually didn't move back. It might have mm. been like the off season uh, before their last full season at Barclays, if, if that makes sense. Hmm. Interesting. So, uh, yeah, well, again, he's, he's a pretty sharp guy. And I think, I think he's, you know, it's funny. I think he'll be appreciated by, by the Coliseum crowd. And I'm sure that the predators will do some kind of like, you know, video or something, I'm sure. Um, and then, uh, after that on Thursday, they have a nationally televised game against the Boston Bruins in Boston. Now the Bruins are excellent. They, I believe are a couple of points ahead of the Islanders. I'm not even sure right now, but the, they they're both behind the caps, but it's, it, I think the Islanders are three and they're two, or maybe the Islanders are two and they're three. I'm not even sure, but uh, they have, uh, have been in a bad way. They beat the Panthers the other night, uh, but, and that snapped, I think a five, uh, four or five game losing streak for the Bruins, which is a lot. Um, so games against, you know, it's games in Boston, games in Philly, games in Pittsburgh always worry me. It's never an easy, you know, game for the Islanders. But um, I'm interested to see how it works out. Uh, games on NBCSN always worry me because <laughs> you know, the whole country is watching and you want them to kind of show up and do their thing. But, you know, again, we've said this a million times, like it's a matchup between two teams that play very, very, very similar styles. One is a little bit deeper and maybe more talent, more talented for sure than the other one. But, uh, you know, if the Islanders can can win these two, knock on wood, you know, that'll give them like five straight wins and, you know, man, that's pretty good going into Christmas week, uh, you know, taking out some big competition and and doing some things and, you know, really making a lot of noise. So, uh, you know, we'll have to see again. I don't want to say too much, but, um, you know, this would be kind of a huge, two huge game. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm definitely interested to see how they're um, talked about uh, by by kind of, by the mainstream media or whatever, the, the national media, because I think the the Islanders right now are. If if you ask you know Jeremy Roenick what what's tell me about the island, he'll say like he'll say you know Bar- Barry Trotz hasn't playing great defense and they have great goaltending, uh, but they don't have you know s- superstars outside Matt Barzell. Whereas like you'd hope that I don't I don't know if Brendan Burke's calling the game, but whoever is you know if they are been they haven't paying attention to the guys like uh, Nelson and, and Beauvillier because uh, I mean at this point Barzell and the goaltenders probably and maybe you can make a case for Pellick like who's another one who I really would love to hear them talk about the Islanders defense. Cause I don't know if Jeremy Roenick would know who, <laughs> you know, anyone besides <laughs> Nick Letty and Johnny Boychuk are. And, and, and uh, right. so you'd, you'd wonder how they talk about those guys, but like Pelic and Beauvillier and Nelson, like these guys are all, I'm sure Matt Barzell and the goalies, like I was going to say, they're, they're the MVPs, I guess so far in trots, but uh, there's a, you can make a case that the, uh, you know, 20, 29, 18 and, and three are, right up there with them as uh, important players. Like at least like if, if, if you're truly looking at like the most valuable player, like as what, what it is like if, if these guys go down, I think uh, without them, like the Islanders are in, in, in worlds of trouble and they, they, the three of them, they're kind of just, they've flown under the radar and done exactly what they've done. They're supposed to do and just grow. And it's so, it's so visible. It's like 
Beauvillier especially like it's just so it's like you can almost like t- like feel it and taste like the improvement that he's made on the ice like it's 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 so visible like the type of player if you watched him even the beginning of last year or middle of last year to this year and he probably looks like a different player it's just it's uh it's crazy to watch and I'm, I'm interested to see what how they kind of talk about those guys yeah the way NBC kind of like hypes up certain players you feel like Beauvillier would be one of those guys obviously Barzell would be too but like the way he plays and the way he he scrambles around the ice and does all these things that get the you know the play-by-play guys juices flowing you think he would uh he would be one of those guys that they were talking about. like i always think about with that with the sto- uh, sharks like you always watch the sharks in the playoffs and that's how you learn about guys like Eunice donskoy like i would never have heard of this guy if not for the playoff games on nbc and randy Hahn screaming his name every five minutes you know whether he did anything interesting or not so yeah i mean i whether or not jeremy ronick has ever heard of adam <laughs> pellick i'd be very surprised if he has <laughs> Pro- probably not uh but uh but he will shortly uh okay when we come back uh, on the other side, we're going to talk more Islanders praise and, uh, you know, I don't know, get in this, uh, see what else we can talk about. All right. We'll be back in a minute. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal making across sports, media and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Our sponsor is vintageicehockey.com, where you can get t-shirts, hoodies, and mugs featuring over 100 classic hockey logos. You could also get uh, our Lighthouse Hockey Al Arbor uh, tribute t-shirts you can also get isles buzz t-shirts there uh they have new england whalers they have new york golden blades they have long island ducks uh they're adding stuff all the time if you're going to the winter classic or you want to watch the winter classic pick yourself up a dallas texans t-shirt or a nashville dixie flyers t-shirt uh they're there and those were real teams and you could buy the shirts with their real logos at vintageicehockey.com. you could use the promo code lighthouse 15 to save 15 percent off your order and whether you buy lighthouse hockey t-shirt or use the code uh, our portion of the money goes to the center for dementia research so you buy a shirt you make a donation uh you're helping people out and you're getting a cool shirt out of it that nobody has i promise you vintageicehockey.com lighthouse 15 is the code go do it uh okay so uh we were just talking about you know the islanders getting praise maybe from national media um they're definitely getting praise from NHL teams. And this happened twice now, once after the Panthers game and then once after the Sabres game. Uh, they interviewed Sasha Barkov, you know, Panthers captain, after the game. And he just kept going on about how they that was a tough team. They're a good team. They're one of the best in the league. And and I'm like, I'm watching him talk. And, you know, he's, he doesn't have a whole lot of words to to describe this game that they like. Well, it wasn't a very exciting game, let's be honest. It was, it was a 3-1 win over the Panthers, you know. But, like, he just kept going on and on about how the that team is really good and they're a tough team to play against. And that's, that's how the Islanders play. They just choke you out and they don't give you much. And I was like, wow, that's pretty remarkable. And then reading Sabres coverage, it's the same thing. Like the Sabres, you know, they tied the game with a minute to go 
certainly didn't play poorly. I mean, they, they played really well. It was a pretty even game, uh, I would think, for the most part. But they just kept going on, the, the Sabres players, about how that's one of the best teams in the league and to get a point from them is is a huge thing for us and we're just got to keep it going. And I'm like, wait a minute. Are we talking about the Islanders here? Because I've heard Islanders say that about teams before, too. You know, I mean, going back 20 years, oh, this Devils team is really good and to get a point from them is huge. It's like they're talking about my team now like this. That's that's a really weird thing to kind of get used to. And I hope I'm not jinxing it by saying that. But I was reading it. and I was like, wow, we are we have turned the corner like this is kind of a thing now where, you know, they went from being <laughs> in the, the preseason polls had them you know, losing ground or, you know, regressing to, you know, back to being bad. And now you've got players being like, well, you know, we got to come again. We got to come hard against these guys because they're one of the best teams in the league. And it's like, damn, yeah, no, that's I, pretty wild. I don't know what really how to, what else to say. Like when, because it's just, it's going to take no matter what. I think last year, beginning of last year, you had said that this, um, this was going to take getting used to like, that this is like Detroit's era. Like we're living in, it's and it's hard to like kind of, you you can lose the forest for the trees when you're in in the middle of something, and uh, that's kind of what's going on. I feel like because like after every win, you're just like, oh yeah, of course we won that game. Like the Islanders are really good. Uh, their reputation around the league is one of like you know the hardest teams to play against, if not the hardest team to play against in in the NHL. And uh, everybody else knows it, but we don't because we are not only living in this in, in while it's going on and it, like in the middle of that this this environment but we're also obviously just not used to it uh and it's it's still no matter what it's going to take a long time for us to to kind of get over the um as you like to say like islander fans are we're like wounded animals or uh you know like we're just never it's just not going to happen and and i remember even in like in montreal people were like oh yeah you know you the islanders like that's what we want to play like you, we want to be like you guys so responsible so disciplined and yeah i mean you don't you don't ever want to be like the islanders that's like saying you oh we want to be like the jets or you know it's like that's that's how it used to be and and it's it's cool to see because it it does kind of give um there are a lot of battered fan bases out there and not even just like in in hockey like you just want to be like let me you know if you ever want to talk about what it's like to be a sacramento kings fan uh, and it, we can help you like because it could get better and if it does it's 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 truly awesome because people don't hate that you you the the team that used to be a laughing stock is good now because you used to be a laughing stock like there's really no hatred unless you're you know the the maple leafs or the ranger fans or whatever like most people will i've seen some capitals hatred some caps fan hatred for the islanders but again that goes back yeah, exactly. to playoff series not long ago you know <laughs> like if you're out of our kind of universe if you're a if you're a uh, Arizona Coyotes fan or something, you you won't another team that by the way that praised the Islanders for the way they <laughs> played it. Uh, if 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 you're one of them, like it's 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 nice. It's like it's just cool to be in this perch right now. Yeah, I think um, you know people in the know know and they, they they get it and they're able to to maybe articulate it better than than others. You know, because they're right up there. I mean, you know, we'll never play against the Islanders, but like. You know, various Buffalo Sabers definitely have. Uh, but it's funny. I was I was watching the Panthers game. I watch every game on my laptop, and I'm sitting there. And um, you know, after it was over, I turned the laptop off and and you know, watch TV. And my wife was like, um, "Oh no!" Later, I was actually sorry. I was watching the game, and uh, I watched the replay of it. You know, maybe about an hour or so after it was over. And my wife was like, "The game is still going on," and I'm like, "No, this is just a recap. But the game's been over for an hour." She goes, "Did they win?" I'm like, "Yeah, they won three one." She goes, well, you weren't like, you know, 
demonstratively cheering or or you know excited. I'm like, well, you know, this is just the norm now. This is, they went down to Florida, they beat the Panthers three one, and now we're back. <laughs> they're coming back home to play on Saturday. And I I thought about like, man, I can't believe this is this is the thing now. Like this is just you know when they don't win, I get upset and I try and analyze what happened and you hope that they get back to what had worked in the past, such as like when they lost to the, to the stars, you know, it really bothered me. They, they had been down three, nothing pretty quickly and, and look kind of whacked out, but then they played pretty well. And now here they are, they just racked up, you know, at that point they had just had two straight wins and, and they were on their way to a third. And it's just, this is the norm now. And, and it's, it's a very odd feeling. And again, it's, it's odd even talking about it because I don't want, you know, we could come back next week and talk about how they lost a bunch of games in a row. And that's still in the back of my mind. And I get how, how annoying that is. And I, I you know, if you're listening to this and you're like, man, this guy's annoying. I trust me, it's more annoying for me to think that <laughs> than for me to say it and for you to hear it. But that's just the way it is. And, you know, even, even somebody mentioned this on Twitter too, like even trots calling out Barzell basically saying like, you know, had we not been in the situation we were in, in overtime, uh, he would have sat. And if he does it again, he's going to sit again. And you're just like, man, that's your best player. And he did something that went against the team. And if he does it again, he's going to sit. And he knows it. I'm sure he got a talking to. It, uh, Trot said something to the effect of, you know, he told them, I'm sure the players all talk. And I'm sure Barzell, you know, we've heard all this, that they want to play for each other. I'm sure Barzell felt bad too. I'm sure I can't imagine. They didn't have a camera on his face when Eichel scored that goal. Uh, but I'm sure I can imagine <laughs> what he was saying. Uh, they did have him on, on his way back to the bench. And so, um, you know, I, I, I find myself sort of worrying less and, and enjoying the games more because this is just the norm, you know, and they win and, you know, becomes less, less exciting. Not that it's less exciting, but like, you know, the win is less of a, of a, you know, sort of, um, I don't know what the word I'm thinking of is it's, it's, it's less strenuous to get that win than it is to worry about how they lost, you know, is right. what I'm saying. You just got used to it. So, mm-hmm. uh, it's a, yeah, it's a weird thing. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's something you hear all the time. It's, uh, my, uh, my dad had said it, and this kind of goes back to the hatred of the Sabres. Like that's a, that's, we watched, you watch that game. Uh, we've watched these game, types of games now for our whole lives and the Islanders just for most of it, have just rarely won those kind of close coin flip kind of games. And uh, Trotz had said something. I don't know who he said, what part, what article it was in, but he's, he had said that uh, the fir- one of the first things he said to the team was, you, you got to be uncomfortable in, un- or comfortable in uncomfortable situations. You just got to, you know, that's, that's how you win. And I just thought that was kind of profound too, because the, whenever the Islanders under previous regimes were in these tight games, like, we we joke about it on Twitter all the time. People just be like, "I was in totally in a, a hold on for a point mode," because that's that's basically where we've lived our entire life. You know, hold on for a point, get 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 the point and get out. Like, who, who cares if if we lose the game as long as we get something out of it, like a little uh, silver lining or moral victory? Like, island that that was used to be kind of satisfactory for us uh, as a fan base, and it's just not uh, not the case anymore. And I mean, it's just like even that that Panthers game and. The Islanders used to lose those games, like they even when they played so well and they kind of executed. You're just like, oh well, they're still a bad bounce away or one mistake away late in the game, and and it used to always come. You know, someone would just turn the puck over the blue line or make a bad pinch, and and the puck was in the back of the net, and you're just like, well, we, we still got four minutes, maybe we'll tie it up, and they never tied it up. But it's uh, yeah, it's 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 awesome. And another, th- I mean, the attention to detail that Trotz has in like just like managing from the the big picture, right? Like. The Islanders were they were in uh, Tampa Bay on Monday night. 
then they had a day off Tuesday and Wednesday, right? And then they played Thursday. Well, they they practiced Wednesday at the Panthers. Right. Yeah. So, so here's here's what usually happens when you play in Tampa Bay. And usually play the or Florida. <clears throat> excuse me. You play the the back to back. If you don't, and you're going from Tampa Bay to Florida, um, and you have two days in between, what's going to end up happening is like you know you're in Miami for a night. And you don't have to worry about anything, right? So what does he do? He schedules a practice in Florida. And he doesn't do it at 8 a.m. He does it at 1 p.m. Because he's like, you know what? Go, you guys deserve it. If, if you want to go out in Miami, I'm sure, you know, some of the players got to, you know, go out as a group or whatever um, in Miami. And, like, that's 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 really just an unbelievable man management. That, that <laughs> Like, I'm sure it's, Lou has something to do with it, too. But, like, that's the type of stuff that you just, like, you, you, you don't really think about. But these guys are always thinking, like, down to the detail for everything. Even even the stuff that Trotz is saying about Barzell and the penalty, that is just him kind of sending a message without really discouraging or getting down on the player. And it's it's just it's so different from what we've we've had in the past. Right. Yeah. He he made it less about the player losing the game and more about this affects us as a team. And it affects your teammates. And again, that's that that was a thing stressed even back in last year was playing for each other and, and playing, you know, you want to pull for the guy next to you. You don't want to make a mistake because then the other guy next to you is going to, you know, he, he's going to hear about it or he might be on and, and you know, you put him in a bad situation. So Barzell knows what he did. And uh, I mean, we all saw what ha- what happened and I think they'll handle it. And yeah, the details are everything. And, and in fact, that's, that was another thing too, that came up. I forget if it was against the Panthers or against the, the Sabres, but uh, I mean, both games are actually very similar, <laughs> but uh you know, it, there's just the little things that, and that's what really gets you, you know, that's what the difference between, well, there's a lot of differences, but one of the big differences between this and previous Islanders regimes is that, you know, Beauvillier is, we were talking about before, is a perfect example. Like, you know, you could not go in for the four check or you can kind of give up, you know, you lose the puck, you can, you know, whatever, move around or try and find something else. Now, whenever an Islander loses the puck, he goes right back after it. And Nelson had a play against the Sabres. I forget when. I don't think it turned into a goal. But, you know, he lost the puck and he went right back and he got it again. You know, Barzell does it all the time. I've seen Eberle do it. I've seen Lee do it. Um, and that's a that's a, a tiny detail that I think a lot of teams would miss and a lot of coaches wouldn't really, you know, preach. But for the Islanders, that's one tiny difference that makes a huge difference in the course of a game. And, you know, you get that puck back for another second. I mean, maybe you lose it again, but, you know, at least you tried. Or... um you know, they're, they're big into blocking shots with feet and, and getting a stick on something just to kind of change it, the, the direction of it a little bit or slow it down just a little bit. And I've noticed that this year. And I don't think they certainly weren't doing it a couple of years ago, whether or not they were told to or not. I have absolutely no idea. But that's a little thing that that, you know, can make a big difference. And uh, yeah, it's it's been something else. So. Um, you know, like you said, you run out of things to say, like, you know, how many other ways can we praise Barry Trotz and this, <laughs> and this Islanders regime? But, you know, when it's when it, you're a week before Christmas and you've lost seven games in regulation, I mean, it's hard to argue with the results. Right. Like, it's just it is what it is. They also people I, and we totally get it. Like, we totally can understand how if you were if you're a Montreal Canadiens fan or you're you're like a Vancouver Canucks fan and you. You don't have to watch 82 Islander games a year, but people will say, oh, that's, is it kind of boring? And we always say, no, it's not boring because they win. But another thing I've started to pick up on this, they are so dynamic in transition that like they, 
people are like, oh, their shooting percentage is high last year or whatever. You know, it's because they're so opportunistic. And so they know exactly what they want to do on three on twos, four on threes, even like, like no matter what the rush is, there's a plan like, and, and they're all on the same page and that's fun to watch. Like it's fun to watch three guys going coast to coast together and, and making, I mean, they, they've scored some blinding goals and they've also, there have been some plays. Barzell had one. Uh, I think it was him that they didn't end up scoring yesterday at the Sabres game. Like it was just like tic-tac-toe, no goal, but that stuff's, the Islanders are as long as as far as like I can think of I don't I can't really think of another team that that does uh that is as kind of uh on the same page in in transition like this team is I don't know how you can watch a team that forces that many turnovers and think they're boring like I know that you can look at the scores and be like ah these guys win every game 3-1 or or something like that but you know they just don't give that any goals but I'm sorry they've got I mean no less than half a dozen guys on this team that Force turnovers regularly, that to me is exciting, you know, to see Beauvillier or Bailey or Barzell or Eberly like force or Nelson. I mean, what was did Brock Nelson have any forced turnovers before last season or this season? I can't remember any, but he does it now, you know, and he's in, he's up next to somebody and he forces the, the puck into somebody. And, you know, they don't always turn into goals. They don't always turn into odd man rushes or something. Sometimes they don't turn into anything, but that right there is like, oh, that change of possession is something that gets your attention. And that's, that's again, a little thing that they do now. They just want the puck. It's so fun to watch. They just, even now we've seen it. Uh, there's a story written by, uh, is it Shana Goldman on the, the oh, Athletic? Yeah. About like their their uh, penalty kill being a little bit more aggressive and trying to jump uh, jump plays and, and turn, uh, get some scoring chances going the other way. And <clears throat> I think they have something like the second highest or third highest expected goals for percentage on when they're four on five in like the past six years. I think the Jets have the highest this year and they, they're they on pace for like the second highest and the Islanders are right there with them. Uh, so like they, there's like this team that they are just hounding the puck and you'll hear like a lot of like over the years, like you'll be in the Coliseum and you'll hear people like be like, you know, hit somebody or, you know, don't give up, get the puck, get the puck. And, they actually they do that now like it's like it's it's as as um it's kind of like kind of i don't know cavemen or whatever however you want to describe that like those kind of like complaints in the crowd uh this team is kind of doing it in a in a funny kind of ironic way like they they just do not relent off the puck except in their own zone that's when they kind of keep a shape and and make sure that the the slot is covered and and everyone's kind of in where they're supposed to be but when before that puck gets into the, into the their defensive zone, this team is just absolutely relentless. And Beauvillier and Nelson and Barzell, I think, are the three who uh, kind of do it the most. I mean, I noticed it with Derek Brassard. I was I don't know if this is unfair because mm-hmm. I haven't you know watched him game game to game before this season. But I, as a player, I always remembered him kind of being uh, you know fr- on the fringes. And he's a, always I know always knew he had a good really good nose for a good pass and and was a really good setup man and had a good shot. Uh, but I mean, he seems to, to, to have kind of bought into this whole, I'm going to just not give up bugging the hell out of the person with the puck until I get it or <laughs> until I have to go do something better with my time in the defensive zone. Uh, so it's to say it's, to say it's not fun to watch just means you're kind of not, you're missing, missing out on like kind of the, the details and you're probably just not an Islander fan and, and not enjoying the wins. 
also probably true too. And and it would be wrong of us to not mention also Casey Zizekas, who has been actually doing the forcing turnover thing <laughs> yeah. a lot longer than <laughs> a lot of other Islanders have. So there's another guy. Yeah, he had a, he had yeah, another monstrous right. uh, penalty kill the other night where I, that was. I think they ended yeah. up scoring on that one too. Like he. That was uh, Tampa, is, yeah. With, with yeah, Bailey, this is right? the second time this season we brought up the the infamous uh, penalty kill from the World Juniors from like eight <laughs> eight nine years ago. But uh, it's, it's yeah. it felt like that again, and uh, yeah, that that guy is just a, a boss. I thought uh, I'm starting to get a little worried about one of his running mates in Matt Martin, but uh, I think the, he he could yeah. maybe use a, a break or so. But uh, him and uh, Sezikis looks really good, and you just always wonder if if this guy had. Like if he was just playing with with some good players all along, I really wonder what uh what kind of player he'd be. But I think he likes his role though. Like, yeah, I don't think that he would do anything else. And yeah, I do wonder if Martin is is maybe running out of gas a little bit. Yeah, you know, he's his body's taking a lot of punishment. It's obviously not an old man, but he's he's been put through the ringer a lot. And I mean, he did he did have a long injury too. Yeah, earlier this year. So I wonder there if there's a, there was actually a funny moment yesterday in the game where the Islanders. I think Martin blocked a shot. And then the Islanders ended up icing the puck and Trotz and, and Lee and Lambert were like reaching over the bench to yell at Martin to be like, Hey, you're hurt. Like, come off. We can at least change mm. one of you guys. And Martin just didn't even turn around. He just didn't <laughs> even think about it. Like, it's, it's like, come on, just get off. Let's get someone else fresh on. Yeah. But they, uh, they ended up uh, escaping that, that minor, yeah. minor calamity. S- sounds like a Matt Martin thing. Yeah. <laughs> sounds like something Bob Nystrom would do. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like that back in the day, which is why we love Matt Martin. But oh, yeah. yeah, you know, I mean, they're going to have days off coming up again. They have, they have the game against the Bruins. They're playing. Oh, they have another afternoon game Saturday against the Ducks. Uh, the Islanders uh, lost to the Ducks. Of course, they were the ones who snapped the Islanders streak. Uh, and then since then have stunk. So the Islanders played them that one time this season. They were good. And now they've gone back to being bad again. So uh, although they did beat the Rangers the other night. So thank you, Ducks, uh, in a shootout. Um, but that's another a- afternoon game. You know, road team coming in from the West. So uh, hopefully the Islanders can, can make some hay there. But uh, yeah. Should- yeah, that game. I, I wonder if uh, I, I've, we've been noticing there's a lot of 1 p.m. games at home for the Islanders yeah. on Saturdays. And I really wonder if uh, if this one was a Lamarillo call. Like schedule us at 1. <laughs> that's that's 9 a.m. What time is that? 10 a.m. local time? 9 a.m. local time yeah. for the time? <laughs> <laughs> no, wait. No, it's a 1 o'clock. So it'd be, uh, yeah, it'd be, you're, you're right. It'd be 10, yeah. Yeah. So, that's, uh, yeah. That means, yeah, that's. That's got loose finger. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, obviously my thing about that is like, they're not, you know, that they're not playing like the Rangers the day before or something like that. So uh should be something, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, whatever, again, I say it all the time, whenever the West coast team comes in and they play an afternoon game against the Islanders, I always look for that, that bounce, but then, you know, it works the other way too. When the Islanders go out there and, and play an afternoon game and it's like, you know, four o'clock start in Vancouver or something, you're always like, Oh man, this is going to be bad. But uh, we'll have to see what happens. So, yeah. So, you know, maybe everybody gets a nice break uh, Christmas week. Uh, they'll be off for a couple of days. So get some rest in. And, uh, you know, not for nothing, if if somebody is hurt, again, along the lines of a Johnny Boychuk, oh, we should mention Noah Dobson's played pretty well. He's been in the last couple of games. Nick Letty was hurt. Uh, Dobson's looked good. You know, he's had some moments that were a little bit shaky. But other than that, he's looked, he's looked pretty well. Um, you know, again, I if I was if I was Trotz, I would sit Johnny Boychuk for a game or two because it's just something is wrong. But. It's not my call, so <laughs> we'll have to see what happens. Hopefully, Nick Letty comes back uh, soon too. Dobson is uh, he's he's really smooth for yes. his size, and uh, he's he's also like it, he seems to be very decisive. Uh, he might not have been he might have been a little indecisive actually on, on when he was on the pen, uh, power play, but 
Uh, that's a little bit of a different kind of development curve. He seems when he's when he's under duress, he has a plan and he's he's able to he he just goes and executes it. Um, and if it's not there, he's he doesn't panic and will just you know kind of restart the play. I I, I really like watching him. Yeah, no, that that's a good point. Like he yeah he doesn't he doesn't get shaken a little bit. Uh, you know the power play thing I think might be definitely hurt by the fact that he doesn't play all that often <laughs> and he probably he might not practice the power play that often but in terms of like defensively and, and five on five yeah he's looked really good you know i mean you can't can't argue and i know there's people out there i've read a couple of people uh, jonathan willis uh, who's an edmonton writer for the athletic you know he was like this has kind of been fascinating to watch and i i stupidly went into the replies and was reading people like oh this is dumb why are they doing this this is stupid you know the kids looked okay and i'm sure that you know he's sat he's been sat down by Lamorello and Trotz and said, look, we can't send you to the AHL. We're not sending you back to junior. So this is the way it's going to be. And he's been like, okay, that's it. And so he gets in when he gets in. And I think in the second half, we'll probably see him a lot more again, especially, you know, considering how many points they've banked in the first half, but, uh, but we'll have to see, you know, and again, uh, on the other side of the Christmas break. Uh, okay. So um, we uh, are going to drop this episode. I promised myself I would never say drop from in terms of the podcast. <laughs> and I just, podcast I just is over. Did. We can't, I, we, we did it. I ruined yeah. it. I blew. It's, it's, I'm sorry, it was, everybody. It was but uh, <laughs> maybe we'll soldier on in, in, in the case of my. Uh, this see now. This is my. This is my thing. This is like bars. This is like my Barzell high stick with five minutes left right. to go and two yeah. one game. This this critical error that potentially it could have cost us this entire podcast. Um, but anyway, this episode will come out uh, so Monday evening for the the evening commute, as I like to say. So Monday afternoon evening. Uh, PT Isles has already been out, so you may have already listened to that. Uh, Joe talks about uh, the Taylor Hall situation. And as far as I know, I don't think he's been traded yet. I don't have my Twitter up here, but I don't think he's been traded yet. So let's see that. That's an ongoing situation there. <laughs> um, Tuesday should see the release of uh, another Isles buzz. And if you, you listen to it and if you are free on January the 4th, it's a Saturday, come on down to the Offside Tavern. Uh, they're going to be having a live podcast. We're going to be watching the Leafs Islanders game. And when I say we, I mean me because I'll be there too. So if, if Saturday, January 4th, I believe it's the time is six o'clock, but you can check with Nolan Dan, uh, and you should come down. It's a great place. It's a great time. We're gonna have uh, we're gonna talk. We're gonna have some beers, some food. We're gonna watch the game. Uh, they're running a contest. If you come in pajamas, there might be some prizes in in store for you. Uh, but uh, definitely check out Isles Buzz for all the information. But that's January fourth, Offside Tavern. Come on down. Hope to see you there. Uh, so yeah, and then uh, after that episode of Isles Buzz, you will uh, there'll be a new episode of my favorite Islanders game. I finished working on it today. It's cool. You will appreciate it because there is a Lubomir Vesnovsky mentioned in there, uh, and also a mention of that Sabres playoff series. I think this <laughs> it's like the most forgotten playoff <laughs> series anybody's ever played. I don't yeah, know, no, but I thought of you I, when the guy mentioned it. I immediately thought of you. I, uh, I, I've mentioned this before, but one of my favorite YouTube videos is just this like really long. Islanders highlights from that season with the Sabres uh, playoff series. And I was actually watching it the other day and someone at work was came behind me and was like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, yeah, I'm watching, I'm watching this. Like we got chopped at this playoff series and uh, I'm just watching like Andy Hilbert score a goal here. And <laughs> But uh, hmm. yeah, that was uh, that's that series. And Lubo was just the, the best. There's a guy I work with now who's uh, he's from LA. And uh, I was talking to, I told him the whole story about Lubo this week about when he came and uh, he was still playing for his team in Slovakia because there was that whole, he didn't want to come and he didn't know if he still could have his no trade clause. And then there's someone on his Slovakian league team posted a picture of him on the bus and was like trolling the Islanders. Like, look who's here, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) 
but and then he ended up just being like the most endearing guy so mm. i think uh his son also had like a, a medical thing didn't he which is another reason why he yeah, was still was over there wasn't that yeah, there was something yeah. uh there was like a lot going on i think and uh Mm. he uh but it was just really funny because it it was like almost the exact situation with nabakov like this this mm. this guy just didn't want to come and then just turned into just being the most affable guy ever and <laughs> nobody had a nobody yeah. had a bad word to say about him hey that's uh shark's assistant coach shark's goaltending coach of getting nabakov to you because uh with the uh yet another coach firing uh this week peter DeBoer is out and all of his assistants are too and uh bob bugner is in charge and uh getting nabakov is the uh the goaltending coach Mike Ricci is behind the bench also for the Sharks, and uh, that's just unbelievable. Yeah, I know. If you remember, if you remember the '90s, you'll definitely remember Mike Ricci's face. <laughs> you can never unsee yeah, it. Yeah, he's like the uh, if if there was ever a a dead puck era, you know, textbook yeah. or something, it would be Mike Ricci. The face like, of the dead puck era. Yeah, for yeah. Sure. He'd, he'd be like tangled up with someone, maybe like uh, Mike Rathje in front of the <laughs> net or something. I don't know. It'd be it'd be him tied up with uh, some Florida Panther, I guess, basically. But, <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, yeah, yeah, he still looks the same, unfortunately, for Mike Ricci. <laughs> a good player, though. But yeah, no, it's, he definitely has a face uh, for hockey. Let's put it that way. But uh, yeah, so a uh, lot lots going on. A lot of coaches getting fired, but ours is safe <laughs> to say the yeah. least. Uh, so where can everybody find you on Twitter? Uh, the Big Lebowski with two E's. You should follow Mike on Twitter at the Big Lebowski. Uh, you can follow me at Culture of Losing. Uh, thank you so much for listening, and uh, we'll see where the Islanders go from here. And again, check out all of our Lighthouse Hockey podcasts. Subscribe in Stitcher, uh, Spotify. Uh, we're all over the place. Apple, iTunes. You can find us there. Any podcasting app. Leave us a review if you have some time or on a Christmas break. A you want to just- Yes, please leave us a review. It actually does help us, and so we really appreciate it. And obviously, read Lighthouse Hockey every single day for your most up-to-date Islanders news and discussion. Visit VintageIceHockey.com, Lighthouse15 for the code. You can save yourself 15%. And uh, we will talk to you next time. All right, bye-bye.